Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Mama. That's right, this is my mom. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Wednesday, December 20th. Good morning and welcome back to a brand new hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Glenn is off today and the rest of this week. Our thanks to Brooke Taylor filling in with the news. And thank you so much for making us a part of your morning across America and beyond, wherever you may be on this Wednesday of the third week of Advent here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Can you believe it? Only five more days left until Christmas. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the truth, the way, and the life in his infinite ocean of mercy has given us the gift of the sacrament of confession. There is no better way to prepare our souls and hearts for the coming of baby Jesus this Christmas than making a good confession this Advent. I've been talking about it since the beginning of Advent. Uh, Father Rocky reminds us every single year, if you do nothing else, go to confession before Christmas. On Wednesdays, I always take a, a brief moment to remind you about St. Joseph. Uh, do not forget about St. Joseph. Uh, Joseph is a powerful intercessor, so go to Joseph, the head of the Holy Family. And once again, if you love Christmas music like I do, uh, we have it uh, for you uh, in a big-time way. All you have to do is go to the Relevant Radio app or uh, relevantradio.com, our website, and you will find literally hours and hours of beautiful carols and hymns, real Christmas music, secular and traditional, to get you ready uh, for Christmas. Look for Christmas in Song Banner, and it's uh, available now on the Relevant Radio app and at relevantradio.com. And that's not e- that's not even to, to mention uh, the beautiful carols of comfort and joy uh, that the uh, three young uh, choirs uh, did for us, and uh, those episodes are absolutely uh, fantastic. So, uh, Sarah, uh, I love this time of year. I love your bumpers. You've been playing uh, Christmas and Advent music uh, from uh, the very beginning. Well, there's been, there's a lot to choose from, John. I don't know if you know this, but there's like thousands of Christmas songs and thousands of versions of each of those Christmas songs. So it can be hard to really narrow down what's a good one to play because there are just so many. And, um, you know, I, I'm always listening for what's another one, what's a new one that I haven't heard or I haven't heard in a long time. And so trying to bring a good variety of different uh, Christmas songs here to uh, Morning Air. For sure. Well, more on Christmas songs and Christmas carols uh, in, in a moment. But uh, as you heard at the top of, of the hour and it, was a big shocking news that broke uh, late yesterday. And as uh, Brooke Taylor reported, um, the Colorado Supreme Court has disqualified former President uh, Donald Trump from appearing on the state's ballot in 2024. The disqualification, which was made under the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, is related to the Capitol riot on January 6th of 2021. Uh, Yesterday's 4-3 ruling is stayed until January 4th uh, because of likely 
appeals. In fact, three justices on on that very same Colorado Supreme Court dissented from this decision. Former President Trump uh, says the decision uh, of the Colorado Supreme Court uh, to ban him uh, is uh, completely flawed, a completely flawed decision. He uh, added in in a statement that the Democratic Party leaders are in a state of, quote, paranoia over the growing dominant lead that President Trump has uh, amassed in the polls. Trump went on to say in a statement that he will swiftly file an appeal uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court, which would mean uh, his name would automatically remain on the ballot until that is resolved. Uh, Lots of... uh, Opinions and reaction from all of the political uh, pundits uh, last night, and it continues on this morning. Here's uh, George Washington law professor Jonathan Turley uh, and his reaction uh, to uh, the decision on Fox News. It is a strikingly anti-democratic holding, in my view. Uh, The court literally faced a series of interpretive barriers to get to where it ended up. They used what's called true threat precedent to show that you can view uh, what Trump said as encouraging an insurrection at stuff that he said at other times. And that, of course, allowed them to reach this conclusion. In my view, the court is dead wrong. This is the first major win for these Uh, challengers. They've gone to a number of blue states. This is one of the bluest state Supreme Courts you can get to. Even with that, it's split. Um, I think the opinion uh, is really chilling. And I think that the Supreme Court will make fast work of this theory. I hope it does. Uh, But I think this court, I think, did great damage to its own integrity uh, with this opinion. And Sarah, you don't have to be a news junkie or a political uh, expert to to have an opinion uh, on this one. Well, we're always encouraged by social media to constantly have an opinion, John. So that is absolutely true. (laughs) Yeah, no no question about it. And uh, and in fact, uh, uh, President uh, Trump's uh, rivals uh, also uh, have had something to say about this decision by the Colorado Supreme Court. And uh, we're talking about uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and uh, former ambassador to the U.N. Uh, Nikki Haley. And, of course, uh, uh, millionaire uh, biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. All of them uh, obviously do not agree with uh, the decision and were quite vocal about it. When you think about it, uh, Sarah, um, this is the first first time that the 14th Amendment uh, has been used. It hasn't since the Civil War. This originally was intended for the Civil War. It was supposed to be for uh, insurrectionist uh, soldiers from the South that they could not hold office. It had nothing to do uh, with the presidency. And yet this is what they, uh, you know, decided on in in Colorado. So there's a lot of folks out there who think that this is an attack on on democracy. Uh, What about the will of the people? How can four judges uh, in Colorado decide for our entire nation? So uh, the Supreme Court of the United States has a big, big uh, decision to make, and uh, they need to move uh, quickly, Sarah. Well, we'll see what they do. But uh, regardless, I'm pretty sure even if Trump isn't on in Colorado, he's going to do very well because uh, he a lot of people like uh, someone who's up against the man and he seems to be up against the man a lot these days. So for those people who are looking for that kind of candidate, he's right up their alley. Absolutely. 
Let's uh, let's talk uh, Christmas carols and Christmas music, which is a lot more fun than than worrying about uh, uh, the state of politics in our country. Um, as as I said, uh, you know, last hour, you know, there's so many different um, polls that list the top. Christmas songs of all time. I know you have your favorites. I have my favorites, and uh, we have everybody's... very different lists. That's okay. Yes, We're supposed to have a, different it's, lists. It's a different list, and yeah. that's that's okay. You know, um, I, I shared last hour how uh, I absolutely love uh, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," which is not even in the top ten according to the so-called experts. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, objective word expert, but I mean, I know this is one of this one we're playing right now, um, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra with the Sarajevo Christmas Eve. So this one is Glenn Leverance's, one of his favorites. So I thought, hey, we said he's not here. We'll still play it. But this is one of those classic songs that, you know, is often you can see when people have their houses where they're lit up and they're they're timed to music. This is one of the songs that is often used there because this is, you know, has a lot of musical beats that work well with the flashing lights. So this is one of those fun ones for uh, Christmas decorations. But there are a lot out there that don't even have words or just musical pieces. What, what is this one called again? This is the Trans-Siberian Orchestra with their Sarajevo Christmas Eve song. Yeah. Beautiful. Classic. Beautiful stuff. It is yeah. very, very, very classic. Um, what about uh, some of the other favorites that maybe we, we, we played a couple uh, last hour? How about a, a few more that we haven't uh, heard? Okay. Well, I mean, there's many renditions of this song, but uh, I think um, everyone ha- likes the jingle bells. Whether you're going to spell them out, uh, you're going to spell them out, or you're going to sing them in a variety of different ways. Everyone and their brother and their cousin's brother has uh, a version of this song, and everyone loves that. Don't you? Oh, yeah. Now, which version is this one? This is uh, the beginning of the version with Frank Sinatra, but I also have the version where Barbara Streisand just has a little bit too much fun with her jingle bells. Sounds like she had a lot of caffeine that she day. She has a rapid fire. <laughs> That's I. You know what I like about that is that it's just so crazy. She's like trying to sing it as fast as possible, and then she has a part where she sings very slow and. Uh, it's it's a very interesting version of the song. So, you, you know, you'll, there's all different kinds of uh, Christmas songs out there. Okay, there, there's a lot of different polls. Uh, a parade uh, had a list of their best Christmas carols, and Silent Night uh, was on the top of the list. On the other hand, Billboard also had a, a list of the top uh, best uh, Christmas songs of all time, and they had Mariah Carey with All I Want for Christmas Is You. Well, what I do you mean, think? I think that that is, you know, that's one of the ones that it sounds like Christmas when you hear Mariah Carey's uh, that introductory music and everything. I know my husband loves that one. That is definitely going to be on the list for people's uh, favorite songs, especially I think sometimes we have emotional connections, different songs when they came out at a certain time. That came out in the early 90s, formative years for um, us uh, millennials. So I would say that's definitely going to stay there. And, you know, sometimes there's songs that have to do with movies that you really like, John. Is there any particular song connected to a movie that is uh, a favorite? of yours well you know that i love it's a wonderful life yes that's true <laughs> so I, I i i always associate uh hark the herald angels sing uh at the end of that uh, that fabulous movie that's a good one and then we also have you know where this song here from the charlie brown christmas another, another song that a lot of instrumental pieces that we just associate directly, you know, with that movie and with those characters. So that's another good one. Um, so many That just- one reminds me of that little puny little 
forgotten Christmas tree. Oh, yeah, poor little. Well, and you know what? That is a staple for some people. They love to have their little Charlie Brown Christmas tree, that's for sure. And, you know, so many songs that just have to do with the movie itself. Um, I know uh, in the movie Elf, there's a lot of fun music in that as well. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, songs that are just like instrumental pieces that kind of introduce different parts of the movie. And it's just the majestic, just the little twinklings and the stuff. They just, it pieces it together so well. And you're just like, you're sold into the movie. The movie was going to be good, but that just, it glues it together. So kudos to all those uh, uh, those guys who are putting the pieces of the music together. And that movie was John Debney, but, you know, John Williams and, uh, you know, all the guys out there, Danny Elfman, all those guys who put those musical interludes together. Another song that uh, made it into uh, the the uh, top ten, Jose Feliciano, oh, yeah. Feliz Navidad. You can't forget that one, you know, my I husband. I want to wish you a Merry my Christmas husband loves that one as well. That's of my heart. <laughs> that's on my least favorite list, but it's probably because I just heard it a little too much. But, yeah, for everyone has their favorite and their least favorite. And, you know, there, there are many lists out there. So for all you listeners out there, hopefully you get to hear one of your favorite songs this year. And we have a smorgasbord of Christmas music here on Relevant Radio. And, uh, of course, we'll continue to play it here for the next uh, few days to get you all ready for Christmas. Thanks, uh, Sarah. Uh, Great stuff. You got it. We begin every hour, as we always do, giving thanks uh, to our Lord for all the many blessings. We always pray through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God. And, of course, we continue to pray for peace in the Middle East uh, and in Ukraine, as our Holy Father has asked us to, to do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, a patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our power scripture from the playbook of life this morning is from Luke 1.35. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Hence, the holy offering to be born will be called the Son of God. Whenever we pray the Angelus, we are praying and meditating on the incarnation of Jesus. That also goes for whenever we pray the joyful mysteries of the Holy Rosary, we are meditating on the incarnation. We actually remember the incarnation 53 times when we pray each Hail Mary of the Rosary. In these final five days of Advent, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to meditate on the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is the real reason for the season, the baby of Bethlehem. We always pray with great confidence that chaplet of divine mercy prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. 
I want to remind you, if you missed any part of our show, you can always go back and listen to any of our conversations or download and share any of our Morning Air podcasts on the Relevant Radio app or at relevantradio.com. We need to take a short pause when Morning Air continues. Our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, he'll be with us to talk about the ancient O antiphons that the church is praying as we speak here in Advent. So stay with us. There is much more to come on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Magnificent rendition of Oh Holy Night in France, in Frances, as we say in Spanish. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with producer Sarah. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Wednesday morning here in the third week of Advent on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As always, you can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, we know that Christmas is getting closer. It's only five days away. Last Sunday, in fact, we celebrated Gaudete Sunday, uh, Rejoice Sunday, and the priests wore rose vestments instead of violet. Now, uh, beginning on December 17th, the Catholic Church has been uh, praying the ancient O antiphons, which are actually more than a thousand years old, and I'm sure uh, most people are familiar with the O antiphons uh, because of uh, the verses in the popular Advent song that you're listening to, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in Latin, Veni, Veni, Emmanuel. Uh, these are from the O antiphons. These are short prayers, and so uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, the uh, basis for uh, this ancient uh, tradition. Joining us live this morning is our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, with much more on uh, the Advent tradition of the O Antiphons. Uh, Father Tyone is the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island. He served for over a decade in vocation ministry for the Our Lady of Providence Seminary, while also serving as chaplain of Bishop Hendrick in high school. And of course, he is a longtime relevant radio and morning air contributor. Good morning. Father Tyone, thanks so much for being with us. It's a joy to be with you once again with just five more days until Christmas. Blessed Advent and Christmas. Yeah, and I loved uh, that uh, we found that song, that French hymn, that O Holy Night is, I grew up in a French parish, so my most intimate moment of Christmas uh, is at midnight. Uh, all the lights would be turned off in this huge church I used to go to, and uh, and the mechanic would go up into the high pulpit, and he had this amazing voice, and he would sing in French, A Holy Night, and the, the light would come down on the manger, and everybody would sort of get emotional. And it was sort of like, it was the best 
I always remember that that hymn just brings me back to those moments when in the darkness of the night at Christmas, Christ came, and it was just such a great. So thanks for finding that. But also today we're talking about uh, really about sacred music, right? So we've been talking in this last hour some of the secular Christmas hymns. Uh, today the church is always always concerned about worshiping Christ. So the O Antiphons are this intense last anticipatory moment when Christ is coming close to you, right over a thousand years. And again, people do know O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, one of the O Antiphons, uh, but each day has an assigned O Antiphon, and O meaning, you know, O Come, 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 and, and Christ is coming almost the next day. So this intensity happens uh, around the, the liturgical, the, the sacred music. So I encourage people, a lot of people don't know what the O antiphons are. And of course, after the Rose Vestments, after Gaudete Sunday, we're on high alert at that time to celebrate the first coming of Christ in Bethlehem is coming. So hopefully we have sort of a, a hunger and anticipation that Christ is coming. And that's true for us every day, isn't it? So the O antiphons are lived out in our daily life, our yearning to experience Jesus today present, including at our sufferings. And, and he comes and, and makes our heart really a manger and then makes our bodies uh, really like our ladies when we receive Christ. So the O antiphon should help us to kind of if you will dive even deeper into the intensity of the closeness of that day on the church's life, where we commemorate, of course, uh, the birth of Jesus. So there's it starts December 17th, it goes to December 23rd, and uh, O Emmanuel, God is with us, is the last day, 23rd. Um, so each day has an assigned O antiphon, and uh, it's it's very very beautiful thing. So they're used in place, uh, oftentimes uh, in place for the Magnificat. This takes over sort of that that very special intensity. Intensity comes comes from these are images. By the way, I forgot to say um, these these are images taken from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is really foreshadowing Christ, getting us ready for the coming of Christ. So they're taken from the Old Testament scriptures and if you will, made Christ. So they, they, it's where these that's where these things originate from. They're all scripture, and uh, they're just a magnificent. Um, collection and so many beautiful traditions in the church of how they're sung, uh, how they're they're made, and uh, so oftentimes, sometimes priests will chant them at the beginning of daily Mass in these days, so it's a very uh, sacred, intentional time of anticipation. And uh, not only from the Old Testament, uh, Father, but specifically uh, from the book of the prophet Isaiah, every one of these uh, come from uh, Isaiah. And yet most folks don't know a whole lot about, uh, you know, the, the history of, of where they, they come from, but they know they've heard uh, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, during this time of the year. They have, and, and the book of Isaiah is the quintessential Advent book. Uh, we're going to hear a lot of it in the next days. Um, it's really, we heard it at the beginning of Advent, and I'd encourage you, if you want to make an at-home retreat, sometimes we don't read the Old Testament, right? We find it intimidating and long and choppy and full of sort of battles and his history that doesn't seem to interest us at times, which is fair enough. But the book of Isaiah is the book of Advent. It's the really, all these longings and what will happen when the Messiah comes, you know, the the cobra and the children together, things that we could never imagine happening without the Prince of Peace coming among us. So encourage people to read that or even look up. You can research the O Antiphons and look where they come from in Isaiah. So it's all the book of Isaiah, all different chapters. And uh, and then again, it's put uh, into Christ. So it's just lovely. And it's a it's an instant retreat and instant reflection. You want to shake up your prayer life a little bit. Sometimes I think we all get in a habit. We prepare the same way in the morning, make the same coffee. We 
kind of get ourselves ready, uh, get our bodies ready the same way we have routines. And maybe this is the time, maybe this program can help us sort of shake up our routine a little bit and kind of get into the book of Isaiah, get into the O antiphons, and at least be attentive perhaps in our missiles or our missilettes, uh, kind, trying to really look for them uh, at, uh, before the gospel and different parts before the mass begins. The antiphons, right, are sort of calling us into prayer entering into especially into sacred liturgy. So uh, perhaps that's something to recommend to all of you today to, to take a look at this, read Isaiah, and look for Jesus in Isaiah. And uh, we'll see him coming into the womb of Mary, into our lives, into the Eucharist and confession. But um, it, it's a wonderful thing to do, and I'm glad that we're covering it on the show today. I like when we kind of talk about things that maybe we should know more about, but we don't. The church is vast and wide. Christ is vast and wide. So there's always something kind of new to learn, and, and it can help our prayer life, too, in our, our study of the faith. I want to open up our, our phone lines uh, if you want to be part uh, of our conversation. Uh, we're talking about the O antiphons and sacred music. And, uh, and in fact, uh, if you have a favorite uh, Advent song or a sacred Christmas carol, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, t- tell us uh, about uh, your family uh, traditions uh, for uh, Christmas music. Uh, we're taking your calls for Father Marcel Tyone at 888 Nine one four nine one four nine. I thought we'd just take a quick uh, peek at a, a few of these antiphons. Obviously, like you said, they, they began uh, on December 17th. If you could uh, maybe take us through um, uh, the meaning of, of, of these antiphons and why they, they wrap up on, on the, uh, the 23rd, uh, just before Christmas Eve. Well, exactly, because it is Christmas Eve, right? We enter into that, that sacred period where we have a, an octave of Christmas. So octave means eight, like Easter. So the most important days of the year, we uh, we enter into that. We think Holy Week is right before Easter. The O antiphons come to us in the fourth week of Advent. So it's sort of, again, this heightened liturgical awareness in song. So the yeah, the O, the o antiphons, you know, it's, it's O wisdom, O Lord, O root of Jesse, O key of David, O day star, O King of the Nations, and O God is with us, O Emmanuel. And so that's why on the 23rd, uh, we sing O Come and Come Emmanuel in most parishes every Sunday, which I totally love. Um, but I find, too, that uh, its intensity is made for December 23rd in the Church's liturgical sacred calendar. So we have all these realities coming up, uh, complementing one another to, to really be there. I think one of, the, one of the things that I know I remember reading uh, once, in seminary, that the first letter of each of the old antiphons in Latin is, so it, it's Emmanuel, Rex, uh, Orions, Clavis, Radix. I know people don't get into all of that, Adonai, Sapiens, but if you take the first letter of all the words in Latin, it means Ero Cross, which means I will be there tomorrow. Sort of like a little Rubik's Cube, if we figure out all the old infants, put them together in Latin, take the first letter, it means I will be there tomorrow. And I love that because that's, that's what we're doing. So we're kind of sitting up straight, anticipating, think of someone you love so much that is about, maybe you haven't seen this serving in the military, maybe a, you know, a granddaughter, grandson has gone off to college, you haven't seen them in a year, and you're, you're waiting for them to come to your house any minute, and you know they're coming that hour. Uh, that'll be different than just thinking a month before they arrive, right? Sort of that, I think that's a nice metaphor for 
how this is working. And the more we love someone, the more we want to see them and be with them and receive them. And that's what the church is inviting us to do. And think of those human experiences we have. And this is a supernatural experience that we can anticipate Christ is coming. He wants to come to our our lowest place, the place of our poverty, the place of our need, any human need uh, God, Christ is attracted to. So this is how we celebrate Christmas. If it's not a perfect Christmas, um, then amen, the grace will come to you. Uh, Father Tyone, uh, Andrew is joining us uh, from our nation's capital, from Washington, D.C. Good morning, Andrew. Uh, welcome uh, to Morning Air. You're on with Father Tyone. Hi, Father. One of my favorites is... Uh, the Adeste Fideles, uh, specifically, I believe that's Latin. Uh, I had the yeah. privilege uh, last year of being in the Holy Land, in the Church of the Nativity, and we sang that, and it was just amazing. And today happens to be the anniversary, the first anniversary of my mother's death, and just uh, what a blessed time. And for us to be in the Holy Land before that happened was an amazing blessing. But that song and that church, you know, just beautiful. Yeah, and we, it's a beautiful hymn, right? That's Adestes Fidelis. It's a, Oh, Come All You Faithful, which I think people might know it. But it's, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. Let Us Adore Him, God of Light. Uh, you know, I praise this happy morning, the shepherds. So thank goodness you got to the Holy Land. I did too just before the war. But this year, I believe the Holy Land's coming to us. So Bethle- we need to make Bethlehem, Jerusalem uh, in our parishes, right? The same mysterious, the same mysteries of Christ's love that are in the Holy Land that we need to pray for peace. But also that same Prince of Peace comes comes into our parish churches and into our homes, our hearts. So we'll remember your mom's soul today in a special way as she's really living out the theology of that hymn, right? These these hymns invite us to look forward to being with God forever. And so I'm glad you called in on her anniversary as well. And uh, thanks be to God, she raised a son that knows the Lord and uh, and appreciates the pilgrimage sites like that. So thanks for calling in, Andrew. Thanks uh, so much for sharing, uh, Andrew, as well. Uh, Father uh, Tyone, uh, can you leave us uh, with your final blessing of uh, 2023? So, Father in heaven, give us an Advent heart, a heart consumed with longing, uh, with waiting, expectation, and especially trust. Every circumstance of our lives, may we trust you that Christ will be born again in our hearts, our lives, and especially in our reception of the Eucharist. Uh, in the coming days, give us the grace to be hungry, to long for you, and may God bless all of us and those we love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you as, as so much, uh, Father Tyone. Oh, come, let us adore him. It's a joy, and we'll see you next year. Amen. Father Marcel Tyone, uh, the pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic Parish in Narragansett, Rhode Island, a longtime relevant radio and morning air contributor. We need to take a short break when uh, morning air uh, rolls on. Our personal success coach, Dave Duran, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media, will be with us to discuss the three vice versus virtue personality types. I bet you didn't even know uh, that that existed. Uh, Stay with us. We are headed down the stretch on this Wednesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
spirits up We're here tonight And that's enough Simply having a wonderful Christmas time All right, it's not Christmas yet, but we're getting ready soon. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with producer Sarah. Glenn is off today. Thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app as the countdown to Christmas continues with only five days to go. Now, have you ever heard of Charles Dickens' uh, A Christmas Carol as a -a one-of-a-kind audio advent calendar? From the Merry Beggars at Relevant Radio, step into... Charles Dickens' timeless classic with a whole new way, faithful to the original text and featuring world-class radio actors and top-notch theater of the mind audio. Subscribe online this morning. It is not too late at adventwithscrooge.com to receive this free daily series in your inbox. That's adventwithscrooge.com. Our email, if you want to reach us directly, it's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about personality types, specifically the personalities that exercise virtue uh, as opposed to those that live a life of vice. According to the great theologian and doctor of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas, a virtue is a good habit by which man lives rightly, and destructive habits are what we call vices. Joining us live from Fort... Myers, Florida, is our longtime Morning Air contributor and personal success coach, Dave Duran, uh, with much more about three vice versus virtue personality types. Uh, Dave Duran is an author, professional speaker, and executive coach. Uh, He's also the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and a founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. You can always follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the conversation with Dave Duran, is 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Dave, uh, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. It is uh, a joy to be with you once again. I I can't believe this is our last visit uh, of the year, and there's only five more days until Christmas. It is pretty amazing. I I know there's that classic saying, time flies, but the older I get, the more that it, it becomes just true. It really, really does. All right. Uh, you heard my setup uh, to talk about uh, virtues and vices. Can you give us a real quick ref- refresher uh, on, on this idea of virtues and vices? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There are 16 different personality types, according to most experts. A lot of people are familiar with things like the Myers-Briggs test and all of those different types of things. There are other ones that uh, simplify it a little bit, but uh, many people have gone through this sort of testing. Um, and it tells you whether or not you're basically caloric, meaning driven. Um, and with, as a caloric person, you, you've got natural virtues, meaning that, you know, you really can't take credit for being driven in the same way that you can't take credit for being six foot three. I mean, you're kind of that way. But there's also a tendency toward vice for a caloric, which would be to kind of mow people down to get their way. And we have to refine those. Every single, temperament basically comes with kind of a naturally inclined virtue and also tendencies toward vice. So we have to master those. So, But one of the things that the the personality tests don't do is they don't measure that virtue or that vice. And we behave differently according to it. So if you're, according to the personality types, you're somebody like an ENTJ. This is a, you know, the kind of a typical leader-oriented type person. You're going to behave differently if you have vice in your life than if you have virtue in your life. And we actually, you know, there's a classic saying, John, that we skip to our sins and we crawl on the way back. 
it changes things about our perspective, our mood, all of the different types of things, our clarity of thought. And so when we have those problems and they get in the way, it, it affects the people that are around us. So the three different you know, personality types, but we have vice and virtue, could actually fit any one of the 16 personality types. So you have 16 different personality types, and they can all behave three different ways. And uh, it's a really interesting thing. Um, has anybody uh, ever uh, told you which type you are? Well, I mean, I know that I'm ENTJ when it comes to uh, Myers-Briggs. Uh, and when it comes to these other ones, I suppose it would depend on what time in my life the, the person would be talking to me. Um, but it's interesting because there are three, the, the three uh, types are the team player, okay? Now, here's another way of looking at this, actually, John. The team player would be basically the saint, okay? They're honest, they're selfless, they're team-oriented, um, they're very reflective. They, uh, you know, don't tra- take credit for things that are not their own. And you don't mean uh, New Orleans sh- saint. <laughs> I do not mean New Orleans. Be, let's be very clear about that. Yes. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping Glenn took off already for the rest of the year. Did he? He is. Unfortunately, we said goodbye to him uh, yesterday. He's, he's oh. uh, uh, getting ready for Christmas uh, with his family. Well, maybe I should take this opportunity to say a few more things then. No, okay. I can't why he's not here to defend himself. Um, so anyway, that's the team, you know, that, that's the team player. Um, then there's another person, and that's the ambitious team player. I would call this person, if we're just speaking about our faith, they would be the aspiring saint. Um, they are the type of person who struggles between self-interest and team goals. So they're smart, they're conflicted sometimes, uh, they're generally pretty effective. Uh, they, they're, you know, they know that, you know, it might be that somebody else has an opportunity in front of them and it's an additional workload and, uh, that they personally would be better served by doing that job because it could advance their ambitions. They're smart enough to word it by saying to the other person, I know you have a lot on your plates. So let me take that from you so you don't have to be burdened by it when really what they're trying to do is really just advance their own agenda. Then at the same time, they can turn around and do something that is entirely selfless. Why? Because they have this struggle. They do reflect, but sometimes their vices get the better of them uh, before they can actually improve. But one of the things that you can know about the ambitious team player is that he is facing a fork in the road. And the fork in the road is to uh, to become the full-on team player or to move into that last category, which is kind of that dangerous category. Yeah, tell us about that last category, because I I, I know, you know, as you say this, I always think of it, you know, in terms of of sports, and and, and we know the consummate team players, those that want to be, and then also the egotists, uh, the grandstand ball player that's just thinking about themselves and their stats and their fame and and the fans. Exactly. And this person is the egotistical individual players. So there's the team player, the TP, the ambitious team player, the ATP, and then there's the egocentric individual player, the EIP. This particular person has, now by the way, the Holy Spirit can do anything and all people have a choice right up to the last moment of their death to to change their life. But this person, in essence, is the person who's decided to cash in their chips and just live according to vice. Okay, so they don't pay a whole lot of attention to anything else. Uh, they're, they're very interested in their own agenda. They're really only interested in the team's mission to the degree that it feeds their own self-interest. Uh, they either have narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies or they're a full-blown narcissist. 
And they're very dangerous to be around because they can be quite savvy. Uh, they will oftentimes rise to pretty high levels of power or authority in organizations, but they're rarely loved. They usually do that by way of force of personality um, or by manipulation, uh, or they're going to do it by uh, coercion, uh, or they're just going to use their authority to basically make people do it. Their colleagues basically just either they're wiped out by them uh, and so they just kind of submit to their demands or they're afraid of them uh, because they know that they are a bit erratic and they they really can cause a lot of problems when when you're working with them and they they're they're very much a danger to a team and they're actually they can actually be just a danger to people around them but for us as Catholics, from a spiritual perspective, there's always hope. Even someone who is uh, full of vice can turn things around and have a, a miraculous uh, conversion, uh, as we have seen uh, throughout uh, church history. Oh, yes. And in fact, I think that some of the greatest saints are those who have the most appreciation that God would have redeemed them and forgiven them for the, the depth of their sin. And that gratitude uh, allows them to you know, be very dedicated. And, you know, the, the zeal and enthusiasm that they use toward uh, sin uh, oftentimes becomes that same zeal and enthusiasm they live, uh, they use toward holiness. And this is, there's also an interesting thing about them. They have a perspective that's interesting. If they have a conversion, they have the ability to see other people and do two things. Recognize their behavior, which is important. Um, because they become better leaders when they can recognize those bad behaviors that they once had in themselves. But also, it allows them to be more merciful, merciful and forgiving because they recognize that that type of person could be like them and make that change eventually. So they help lead them into it. When, when we are in a circumstance that we are either in an organization or leading an organization, it's very important for us to be aware of team players, ambitious team players, and uh, egocentric individual players. Because the way that we interact with them, or even if we're in leadership, promote them or decide not to promote them, will matter. If you promote um, an EIP, that egocentric person, your organization is going to start to really erode culturally. And the people in your organization are going to have a lot less respect for you or find you hypocritical. Um, the problem is that there are senior level people who promote EIPs because they behave differently toward their superiors than they do their subordinates. To their superiors, they're going to be kind and they're going to uh, say the right things and they're going to placate them. And then they're going to turn around and they're going to be really uh, difficult with the people that they lead themselves. So that superior might not have the view they need. Uh, so they have to be you know, in tune to what's going on. Dave, what about red flags? What are some of the, the red flags of these different uh, types of personalities? Well, you see the team player come into a meeting, and the team player has one interest in mind, whatever is best for the organization. We're here at this meeting, and we need to solve this problem, and I want to make sure that I contribute only to the degree that I have something to contribute, um, that uh, I listen to other people's ideas. I bring my own ideas because it's worthy to put thought and effort into it, coming ahead of time so that I can contribute. But if somebody has a better idea, I want to go with that idea because it's by far the best one. And I want to give that person the credit for what they're doing. It's very easy to see that. The ambitious team player might struggle a little bit. They might want to take a little credit for their uh, part of an idea. They might want uh, an idea to be accepted because it is theirs, not because it is the best. 
but they also might sit back in that particular meeting and um, have more of that team focus. They might go back and forth between the two, but they're generally pretty easy to work with. And like I said, they're, they're, um, they're good to have on the team. Uh, they, they are reflective, so they might push things to a certain degree, and their pride might show up to a certain degree, but they have enough self-awareness to pull back uh, at certain times. By the way, team players themselves can be very direct, and they can be very convincing, and they can push things hard. Why? Because it's the right thing to do for the organization. They realize that they might be being judged for it, but they're not interested in a poll at that point. They're interested in doing what is best for the organization, even if they personally have to be criticized for it. So it's not that the team player is passive or the ambitious team player is um, you know, always aggressive or always passive. They, they're, according to the circumstance, uh, aggressive or not. Whereas the egocentric person, they have one mission, and that they're at that meeting to stroke their ego. That's the only reason that they're there. They're there so that people respect them, that they listen to their idea. They're very personally offended if people don't like their idea. And because of the emotional connection to their mission, they have erratic behavior. And uh, typically, you will see it in uh, patterns of behavior. And uh, you got to be, be careful because uh, there might be some uh, passive uh, aggression uh, from these folks. Yeah, and I really encourage anybody in a leadership role um, to, to fire passive-aggressive people immediately. And I, I know that sounds pretty direct and hardcore, but it is, you can't work with passive-aggressive people. Um, now, everybody could become passive-aggressive in the right moment and a lot of stress, okay? But um, what happens is when people feel like they lack power in their lives and they want something, they can either do something to build and control things in their life from a positive sense to regain control, or what they're going to do is they're going to go to the easiest thing to do. And the easiest thing to do is ignore your email, ignore your text, um, to say nice things to you but mean otherwise, and then talk behind your back. You can recognize these things if they're in patterns. If, if, if this happens three times within a relatively short period of time, it is, it is typically the way that person is. If you've been with somebody for years and they've never acted like that and they have a weak moment, that's not the case. But we do want to pay attention to these patterns because we have to make sure we have the right people on the right seats of the bus in order for the, uh, the business to move in the right direction. You mentioned at the beginning that team players are much like uh, saints, and we're all kind of uh, aspiring saints, uh, most of us at least. Um, would you say that uh, the top virtue, would it be fair to say the top virtue, whether it's business or even with our faith, would be humility? I, I would, but I would say that it's the cardinal virtues because of the natural virtues and contained within the cardinal virtues are the two virtues of magnanimity and humility. And so you'll find them in there. And if we have prudence, which is the charioteer, our, our catechism, the Catholic faith says it's the charioteer of all the virtues. All of the virtues come through building prudence first, then justice, then fortitude, and then temperance, which is where we're going to find magnanimity and humility. But you can't get that access to humility, which is that, that arch enemy against pride, which is so necessary for sainthood, like you just said there, without going through the doorway of prudence, which is an interesting thing. Uh, and so, yes, ultimately speaking, it is humility. And so that's why I encourage people to go through the door of prudence to get to that place. As always, uh, Dave, really appreciate uh, your insights and your perspective. Thank you so much for everything you do for, for Morning Air this entire year. Many blessings, the rest here of Advent, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks, John. Merry Christmas.
Executive Coach Dave Duran, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. And you can follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called A Letter from Santa. My dear precious Jesus, I did not mean to take your place. I only bring toys and things. You bring love and grace. People give me lists of wishes and hope that they come true, but you hear prayers of the heart and promise your will to do. Children try to be good and try not to cry when I'm coming to town. You love them unconditionally, and that love will abound. I leave only a bag of toys and temporary joy for a season, but you leave a heart of love, full of purpose and reasons. I have a lot of believers in what one might call fame, but I never healed the blind or tried to help the lame. I have rosy cheeks and a voice full of laughter, but no nail-scarred hands or a promise of the hereafter. You may find several of me in a town or at a mall, but there is only one omnipotent you to answer a sinner's call. And so, my dear precious Jesus, I kneel here to pray, to worship and adore you on this, your holy birthday. Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bend before me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. And our thanks uh, to uh, Glenn Leverance, who left us uh, that uh, inspiring story corner. Now, during these final days of Advent, let's remember Jesus the Lord, the reason for the season by praying and watching the family rosary across America with Father Rocky and Maggie, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this uh, Wednesday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, Brooke Taylor, Filling in for Glenn Young Thomas and our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Thursday on the next edition of Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead. Hey.